Well, it's uh, winter time here in Montana. And if you know anything about Montana in the wintertime, the roads get ridiculous and icy. Uh, even yesterday, I was walking uh, to my van to get in to go to the coffee shop, and I was carrying my bag, and the, the it was like a comic relief. I just my feet just went whoo right out from underneath me. I flailed up, you know, landed on my side, and <laughs> I was hoping my bag was okay. And just it was like I, I was like I looked around and I was like, did anyone see me? Cause that would have been epic because it was an amazing fall. Anyway, so ice, ice is, is everywhere. And, uh, if you've ever driven, uh, on, on ice, if you, you know, it, it was one of those perfect storms where it rained and then it froze and then it snowed on top. So basically you had this layer of snow on top, but then you have this layer of like an inch of ice, just a, just a solid layer of ice on, on the, on the roads. And I mean, cars going off everywhere, going on off in the ditches and stuff. I, I can't even imagine trying to be a tow truck driver uh, in this and try, during the season and trying to keep up, uh, especially with all these out of towners that are moving to Montana now and not really knowing how to drive on snow and ice. Uh, welcome, uh, Californians. Uh, welcome, uh, Seattleites and Portlandites. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Montana, winter in Montana. Um, well, I just I kept thinking about um, just foundation, you know, when, when you're driving on the ice, just how nervous I get, uh, how nervous you get when just driving on the ice. Can I, can I stop? Can I go? You know, even today I was trying to, to leave a parking lot and it was kind of uphill and I saw an opening. I went for it and all of a sudden nothing. <laughs> I couldn't go anywhere. I was like, what in the world is going on? And it was cause I was on ice and I was on a hill. And so I kind of had to get get myself situated and, and have patience and just kind of do it gently. And, but it just made me think about this element of, you know, trusting the foundation that we're driving on, that we're walking on, um, the, you know, the, the, if, is it ice? And even when, when it's on ice, I do have studded tires. And so it doesn't matter if you're one well, that does not necessarily doesn't matter, but are, do you feel safer on ice? Are you wearing special shoes with grip and chains and, or, or, uh, you know, like screws, uh, some, some spikes on your shoes to keep traction, to have traction in, uh, as you're walking around, walking, you know, walking and, and trying to, uh, navigate life in the winter, in the snow and ice. And it made me think about my sermon on our, our time on Sunday, uh, where I, where I talked about, um, communion, having communion with God, that communion was made for man and that man was made for communion with God, with others, one another. I'm with you. You're with me. God's with us. God's with you. God's with me. It's this communion together uh, that we share. We share in the life of uh, the church. We share in the life of our the family of God. And God shares with his people because he has chosen us to be his people. He has chosen to dwell among his people. And so as I was blending the two thoughts together, God kept kind of bringing the picture of both of these things into my mind. And it brought me back to one of the scripture passages uh, that I talked about on Sunday that I want to elaborate on a little bit more. Actually, I wanted to just read the whole cha- the whole chapter. It's short. You know, bear with me. So it's, it's Psalm chapter 121. Uh, and it says this, I look up to the mountains and hills, longing for God's help. But then I realized that our true help and protection come only from the Lord. 
our Creator who made the heavens and the earth. He will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget nor ignore me. Um, He will never slumber nor sleep. He is the guardian God for his people, Israel. Yahweh himself will watch over you. He's always on our side to shelter you safely in his presence, his communion. He will keep you from every evil. Sorry, he's protecting you uh, from all danger, both day and night. He will keep you from every form of evil and calamity as he continually watches over you. You will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave your home and safely you will return. He will protect you now and he'll protect you forevermore. So this this imagery that David gives us uh, in, in Psalm 121 about the protection of God. Now, do, do, do bad things happen? Yes, bad things happen. Disease, plagues, uh, violence, uh, accidents. You know, it, it's, you know, they, these things happen all around us. And so, um, and so what is he trying to say here? That all these things, even in the midst of all these things, that he is our true source of ultimate protection. That no matter what happens in life, that we can always be safe with God. Um, and basically he's saying, you know, like in this first part, you know, I look up to the mountains and the hills longing for God's help. You think about, you know, mountains and hills in those days. Actually, most of the cities, if you if you go to Israel today, you'll see that a lot of the hill, the cities are on the hilltops. Because that was the source of protection was being high up on the hillside, having, you know, having up, you know, having the advantage, uphill advantage, uh, you know, militarily. So they, they actually would settle cities on hills, on the mountains, and then they would have all their, their farming and stuff in the valleys and the flat prairies and everything. So they, a lot of times they built their cities up on the hills. Uh, and so because it was a protection. And so, so I look to these you know, city hills or these mountain uh, these, these hill cities or these mountain cities that are supposedly supposed to be safe havens, sanctuary cities, protection with the city walls, a strong fortitude, uh, these strongholds, these towers. And yet he's saying, I look to those, but I remember that God is my protection. God is, what is it? Then I realized that our true help and protection come only from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and the earth. And so it made me, it kind of give the, gave me this, this mental picture, you know, right now, at least if you're, you know, depending on when you're watching this or listening to this, this is a very tenuous time in the life of the world. I mean, overall, uh, I mean, you know, just there's so many things going on, uh, with, with this, you know, COVID, uh, season, uh, or the, I would say this, the, you know, I wouldn't even say the pandemic, uh, season, just the COVID season, because I, I believe as Leonard, C, uh, Leonard Sweet would say that we are, that pan, pandemonia is now the new norm, is now the new normal. Uh, pandemonia in all its forms, politically, uh, emotionally, relationally, uh, civilly, uh, morally, politically, the whole spectrum. I think we're, we're now entering to the, into this new season of world history where pandemonia is the new normal. Uh, and so, so COVID season, so the, I'd say the, what kind of kicked it off, you know, would be, you know, this COVID season. So in, in political season and racial division, hatred, violence, protests, uh, division, just this polarization of our country, um, this, and so I, I kind of, I have this, this mental picture, um, standing in the fortress of God, 
you know, that Jesus, that God himself, that Jesus is our strong tower, that Jesus is our fortress, that he is our protection. He is where we as believers, as saints, run to our big brother Jesus. We run to our Savior and our God, our Lord, uh, and our Savior, our deliverer, our healer. And so we run to his fortress, and I feel like we're we're staring down at this valley that has these two kingdoms at war, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, and this political sphere between Biden and Trump and all these things, and they're battling it out. And there's this, this mental picture, this imagery that I have in, in my mind about when, he, when, when Jesus is talking about this prophecy. He says, when you see this stuff happening, when you see, when you see this stuff hitting the fan, uh, run for the hills, run for the mountains, get out of Dodge. Which basically he's he, he uh, a lot of people I don't know I would agree with this field of thought that that Jesus is actually foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem. They're saying when you're surrounded by Romans, run, <laughs> don't try to stay and fight with the Israelites because even you're Israelites. But he says you're not Israelites anymore. You are mine, and I want to protect you. And so basically he said, don't fight with them. Don't try to protect Jerusalem as if it is sacred. Uh, and, and worth dying over. He says, I'm worth dying over. I'm your God. I am your city. You are my, you are the new Jerusalem. Get out of Dodge. And so, you know, flee the city. So basically, like, so a lot of the, the Jewish people, they, they criticize these, these new Jewish believers, these new Jew, Jewish saints for abandoning them. They abandoned the Jewish people in Jerusalem, the holy city of Jerusalem, when the Romans surrounded them. And, and so, they got out of the, they got out of dodge they they went for, ran for the hills and they escaped and they lived and if you know anything about about Jewish history you know the Jewish people they they fled and they scattered everywhere um, and then a, a big number of them ended up in Masada on top on the top of Mount Mas, you know, this Masada this this fortress uh, on the top of this flat mountain top by the Dead Sea um, you know just south of Qumran and uh and the, you know, for months they they withheld, uh, they they held held together until the Romans cut off their water supply and everything, and then they started to run out of food, and then the Romans started to build the, the infamous Roman ramp, um, uh, up you know up to the back wall of of Masada, and they ended up they got there and they had all killed themselves and left left one person to tell the story. Uh, there's even movies made out about it. Uh, got to visit there back in 2011. Uh, just a neat sight, but it's an interesting story that where were all the Christians? Where were the people of God who you know, they, they abandoned ship? They, they left. They, they fled for the hills. They fled to the mountain. They fled to their only protection, their true help and protection. And that was the Lord himself. It wasn't this holy city. It wasn't this nationality. It was God himself. It wasn't a political party. It wasn't the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Essenes or the Zealots. They fled to the mountains. They got out of Dodge because they saw themselves as the people of God. Now, you may, may be asking yourself, what, what is your point, Alan? Um, now, am I saying get out of Dodge, go and flee the cities, flee for your lives? No, no, no. You know, are you, am I saying you should go and become a prepper and, so, you know, bury yourself in the mountain somewhere? And, you know, when you see the writing on the wall, leave town and get out of Dodge? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm, what I'm saying is understand where your true protection comes from. And no matter if you're on the Trump side or the Biden side or whatever side you're on, um, I think, I mean, I've, I've been preaching this for weeks now, months, gosh, years now, that we are on the side of Christ. 
that politically we have to be on the kingdom of God, the one and only kingdom that will that will withstand everything. And so whether you, you prefer a, a Republican-run presidency of your country or you prefer a Democratic-run run society, I've heard arguments on both sides in the Christian realm even too. You can't be a Christian and be a Republican. You can't be a Christian and be a Democrat. You can be a Christian and hold any political view that's out there because it's not about an American political sphere or even if you're in Europe, if you're in Mexico, the same gospel, you are part of the same kingdom. And so this whole nationalist, you know, nationalist mentality when it comes to our faith you know, is crap. We need to have the mentality that we are the kingdom of God. And Jesus said nothing will prevail against this kingdom, the church. Not, you know, localized churches, church organizations, but the capital C church. Not the Catholic church, the, well, Catholic, little c, Catholic, the church universal. The church across the world, across time. Hell itself, the gates of hell will not and cannot prevail against it because we have the God who created all things on our side. And so when we talk about firm foundations, the studded tires of your faith, you know, the, the snow and ice shoes of your faith, the solid foundation, the rock, not the sand foundation, the anchor for your soul, as it says in Hebrews, which I'll probably end up be preaching about this, this coming Sunday. So stay tuned. But this solid foundation of our lives and our faith specifically has to be founded upon our ultimate protection and help in times of, of any need, of any trouble. And that's the Lord. Now, how do we do that? I preached about it this, this last Sunday. Communion. Having not, not just the practice of you know, taking the, the stale cracker and the little shot glass of wine or the intinction or, or the Holy Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. It's not just the practice of communion. The practice of communion was a gift to us. And, and what communion or the Eucharist, what it does is it shows us the communion that God has with his people. And the, and the communion that we as the church have with one another to, to be, as, as the Bible says, we are each individually living stones being built up into a holy temple. Jesus Christ being the cornerstone of which the whole, this whole new temple is built upon. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that city of God. We are the city of God in the, in the church. And so... We help one another by creating and, 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 and reinforcing one another. Being, well, the Bible says, it talks about this in so many one another's in Scripture, but bearing one another's burdens, forgiving each other, encouraging each other, building one another up, building up the church in love. And so as we, as we are now waking up to a new season in the life of our world, in our country, in our state, in our cities, we, have, we need as the church, as saints, to wake up to this new reality that our one and only faith is in Jesus Christ. It's not in a political figure. It's not in whoever's ruling the White House. It's not whoever's ruling in our state capitals. It is in Jesus Christ and him alone and his church because that's where the presence of Jesus resides. That's where the presence of God lives is within his temple, his church, his people, his beloved bride. And so this gives even more power to us getting together. This gives us more power to the small group mentality, to the home church mentality, to this breaking bread and, and coming together around the table to be a family, to be the family of God. 
to tell the stories of God and tell the stories of what God is doing around the dinner table, around the, the pizza joint table, around the coffee shop table, being together and encouraging one another, building one another up, being a source of truth to remind each other of the scripture, to remind each other of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's leading and guiding and speaking prophetically through visions and dreams. I even wrote a couple of my son's dreams down this morning. There may be something prophetic in them. I don't know. I'm waiting for God to speak. And so that he might bring back those dreams to my recollection and going back and seeing what God is speaking. Remembering that God gave us spiritual gifts for a reason. To build up the body of Christ. To manifest his presence on earth through his church. And so... I think we're entering into a season, and we've been in this season for a while, but we're, we're, even, we're entering even deeper into a season where we need one another now more than ever in the church, in the, peop- in the people of God. And so in, the, in the, the weeks and months to come, you're going to be hearing more and more about how to do this. And, uh, and us here at Shift, I mean, our, our mandate, our rally cry, the, the cause and purpose, reason for existing that ignites us uh, to get out of bed in the morning, to, ignites me to get out of bed in the morning, is this. We're shifting everyday relationships, ordinary relationships with everyone in this world into authentic community. Why? So that we can live God's adventure together, fully alive. We can endure the storms. We can run to Jesus for our protection and our and our solid ground, our foundation in this life and in our faith, no matter the shifting sands around us, no matter the craziness and the ridiculousness going on around us, that no matter who's in power, Jesus Christ is in ultimate power. And we, the church, you as a saint, are seated with him in glory today. Man, may that, may that thought rule our hearts for the rest of this week as we come back together on Sunday. And I would, I would encourage you, get together. Don't walk in fear. Get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ in person. It is the ultimate way that God desires to express himself, whether it's in a small group or a larger gathering. Um, I mean, the larger gathering was built for, for a you know, political and economical sphere of, of the church in prominence. And the home church was built for a, a culture to withstand the, the, the waves of oppression and persecution and and obscurity. And so we have to have both. We have to have an understanding of our true identity in Christ. And so let that hope and that joy and that inspiration to gather with God's people guide you and lead you throughout the rest of the week. I love you guys. I will see you next time.